My name is Katie Welch. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer for Rare Beauty. And what I love about beauty is the entire industry, the people that I've had the opportunity from whom to learn, to meet, to become friends with, have made a lifelong difference. From New York City, you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the beauty industry. Hi, this is Mimi Banks, and you're listening to Beauty Is Your Business. Today, I have the fortunate pleasure to be with the amazing, incredible, and wonderful Katie Welch, the Chief Marketing Officer of Rare Beauty and my dear friend. Hi, Katie. Hi. I think I have the unfair advantage of being close friends with you, so <laughs> thank you for those kind words. Maybe not everyone would say such nice things. I beg to differ. I think that your reputation precedes you, that you have quite the fan following, quite the fan following. One of the amazing things that you just talked about was the people that you have encountered along the way in your career and just being in beauty. But I think that what a lot of people would love to know and just hear about is how did you end up at Rare Beauty? That's a great question. I was at the Women's Wear Daily CEO Summit in 2019, and I met Scott Friedman, who is Rare Beauty CEO. It's one of my favorite stories. He said, Katie Welch, I sent you a LinkedIn message and you never replied. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> I was so mortified, so embarrassed, uh, apologized. And he and Selena were just starting Rare Beauty. It was not public, but he said, I would love to tell you about something I'm working on. And fast forward, once I was able to sign an NDA and then have the conversation with him, eventually, thankfully, I met more team members, met Selena, and then got a job offer and decided to join the team. That's incredible. So note to everybody, do not contact Katie on LinkedIn. <laughs> or... <laughs> More importantly, respond to your messages. If someone is, just respond. You never know. <laughs> and what if I had never had the chance to meet him in person? And what if he was not as kind as he is and wasn't upset <laughs> that I never responded? That's incredible. I'm not sure. I think maybe you told me that. I'm not sure I knew that story. But I did know you even just before you were at Rare Beauty. We had the fortunate chance to sit next to each other in a sea of a few hundred people and be the only two beauty people there and happen to be next to each other. And you have such an interesting and rich career history. Wanted to tell everybody about your life before Rare and how you ended up in beauty. Sure, sure. When I was in college, I first met an individual who worked at Estee Lauder. And I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. My family doesn't work in beauty. I wasn't on either of the coasts. I was a beauty fan. I loved beauty products, but I didn't really ever think of it as a career path. But I met one person in college and she was an executive at Estee Lauder. And I said to myself, hold on, that's a career path? You can do that? And I think after that moment, the rest was history. I was fortunate. My very, very first job was at Macy's. I did the Macy's buyer training program. Well, actually before that, if you really want to go back, I interned, did the Hearst Magazine's intern program at Marie Claire. I knew I wanted to get into beauty somehow. And I thought at the time I was an English major and I thought, oh, maybe I'll be an, an editor. What a dream job to be a beauty editor. Wow. In New York. So you went to New York for the summer, did a summer internship. I went to New York for the summer, lived in NYU dorms. And what's cool about it, do you know Ty Beauchamp? Yes. I met her at your birthday. Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> so Ty and I, we were both interns together and we're still friends. 
which I love. We both entered the industry. She's now the founder of Brown Girl Jane Fragrances and the beauty company. She went down the editor track. She was a beauty editor. And then I, of course, I then eventually, after my internship at Macy's, then I went into communications and I started my career in communications at Victoria's Secret Beauty. Very, very entry level, worked my way up, eventually went to the agency side, spent many, many formative years at Weber Shandwick, where I learned a ton about marketing, about brand marketing, marketing communications, then eventually became the head of marketing for Bliss when Bliss was still being sold at Sephora and really tied to the spas. Then eventually moved to LA to work as the, at the time, senior vice president of global marketing for Hourglass, got promoted amazingly, into the chief marketing officer role there, then spent a brief time at Honest Beauty as general manager, an incredible, beautiful brand. Jessica Alba is a fierce founder with an incredible vision, and then joined the Rare Beauty team in 2019. That's incredibly rich and exciting and inspiring career history. And I think what's interesting, I mean, besides the roles that you had, is going from publishing to agency to the brand side. And many people aspire to be able to go to work on both sides. I've been very fortunate. I've maintained great relationships. I think so much is is networking or you don't know where your next job will come from. My first job actually to go to the brand side in a senior level marketing role was, was at Bliss. And I, I got to know at the time the president of Bliss, Mike Endersky, when he was the chief marketing officer for Burt's Bees. And I was working on the agency side. I was at Trachtenberg and Company. We won the Burt's Bees account We worked closely with the Burt's Bees team to develop the campaign for the natural standard, which was their first sort of stake in the ground of we are a natural brand. One of the times where I was really involved in seeing how brand messaging and narrative can truly differentiate and move a business forward. So that's when they said, we are going to differentiate from the rest of the personal care category by owning natural, by staking this claim. And because of that work, Mike, I guess, saw how I thought. And then when he started at Bliss, called me to do the job, which is really exciting. Oh, that's really exciting. I met Mike at L'Oreal. Just, I think that was right before Burt's Bees, actually. Yeah, so funny. I just saw him in New York. I was in New York with the Rare Beauty team, and we were checking into a restaurant at the host stand. And I looked to my right, and lo and behold, it was Mike Andersky. And I just screamed, like, oh, my God, it's been so long. It had been almost 10 years or something. It was really wonderful. So now you have this experience and you have worked with an incredible celebrity founder and you have great mentors and you've been able to take all of this to working with the most followed person on Instagram, I believe, Selena Gomez. It's so important. I think, you know, at least it's a deeper understanding. Now for me, you're talking about how narrative comes together with storytelling and messaging. And I think that one of the coolest things about the brand and that it's hard to build a celebrity brand, but a celebrity brand that works is that you walk the talk. I'd love to spend some time talking about how you walk the talk specifically around mental health. And it's such a big part of your DNA and promoting self-acceptance and how this messaging really is reflected in, in everything you do. Oh, thank you. Well, it all started with our founder and Selena's vision, and she wanted to create a brand that made a difference in beauty and beyond. She never set out to create a celebrity beauty brand. She happens to have a platform from which she can make a major impact. Her idea, she's like, I feel this pressure on social media and I feel this pressure that the media places on on me. And she wanted to see if she could make a difference from the inside out. And by starting Rare Beauty and sort of creating a warm, welcoming community and breaking down these standards of perfection that live in the beauty industry, whether it's through 
the events that we host, the words that we use, the images that we post. And then beyond that, she wanted to let people know that it's okay to not to be okay and help to destigmatize mental health. So using the brand and using the platform, not only her platform, but then build this brand to then have a platform to have a highly engaged community and be able to make a difference. She did that within mental health. So with that, we created Rare Impact, which is the division of the company that works to make a difference in beauty and beyond. And that is in addition to having these incredible high performance sort of now holy grail, which is so exciting products. We have Rare Impact, which is really a meaningful part of the business that galvanizes our community around mental health. We have become a a conduit to trusted resources, whether it's through our the creation of our Rare Beauty Mental Health Council, which is a handful of people in academia and mental health in the medical field who help guide us on our mental health strategy, as well as content co-creation. And we post and we inform and we educate and we inspire our community with all these trusted resources. We don't write them ourselves. We are not a mental health company, but we lean on our others, our partners and friends to help us because we had heard from our community that they didn't know where to turn and they were interested in these sort of resources. That has been really meaningful. And then to watch that content and the events and get just as much engagement or excitement around a product tutorial or something around makeup is, it tells you that you're doing the right thing. And then in addition to sort of engaging our community and and educating our community via content, we also created the Rare Impact Fund, where 1% of all rare beauty sales are donated to the fund. And we also raise additional funds through philanthropic foundations, individuals, corporate partners, and our community. And all of that is in an effort to expand access to mental health services and education for young people around the world. It's been wonderful. We've been working with our grantees since 2020. We actually launched the fund in July of 2020 before the brand itself launched. The brand launched in September 2020. And the goal is to raise $100 million over the next 10 years? 10 years. It's ambitious, but it's exciting. But why not have an ambitious goal? If you're going to do it, go big. Like, Why not try and make a difference as big as you can, as large as you can? I totally agree. I totally agree. And then again, walk the talk. It's on the website. You stand by what you believe in. And something that the founder, it's part of what she believes in her credo also, and the community needs it. So it totally makes sense. It's nice. And then since we started the brand from scratch, this was Selena's company. She started hiring the team and then we had to hire the team. So there's so many things that we had to put in place, processes. And as part of that, we really thought about mental health. And there were things that we did to make sure as best as we can to make sure that the place is a safe, comfortable place to work. So through the NAMI, which is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, we pledged to be a stigma-free brand. We've also trained all of our teams. All of our employees are trained in mental health first aid. And this is a program through the National Council for Mental Well-Being. And then we do a handful of other things. We're always sort of testing and learning or trying new wellness programs or experts that we can see if we can help people just create, take a pause from their day, whether it's we'll do yoga or breath work. Or my favorite one is when at noon, sometimes we'll get a big group and we'll just do a walk around the block. It's like a big 20 or 30 minute walk just to get away from your computer. And it's, it really helps. And, and it's so small. They're not major. They're easy for all brands, all companies to try and do. And I think it does help since we have so much support from the top down, it permeates throughout. So that's the one thing is a great takeaway for others. And it's incredible that this is all part of like before you even started the brand, which is incredible. I didn't realize that that's even before the products, that this is the fun that it was starting from the beginning. You recently had your first 
Rare Beauty Mental Health Summit. <laughs> Can you tell us more about that? I saw some numbers, which is incredible, that people joined virtually, they were in person, you had it on social. We did one last year that was virtual. And as part of the mission of Rare Beauty, we want to kickstart positive conversations around self-acceptance and mental health. And talking about that mission, that our vision, creating this safe, welcoming space, and we've been doing it in social for so long. And we started in March of 2020, having Zoom calls with our community. We called them Rare Chats. And so we really got to know the community. And that's when we heard from them and we heard that they wanted these trusted resources. And so since then, we've evolved our programming and we had an idea that because we're getting such high engagement, we've got these wonderful partners with our Rare Beauty Mental Health Council. Could we bring everyone together? Could we bring our community together on a larger scale to really kickstart these conversations, do exactly what we had set out to do? And we hosted our first Rare Beauty Mental Health Summit on May 2nd in LA. And it was so powerful to see because not only were we doing what we had set out to do and start these conversations around positive self-acceptance and mental health, we had inspiring educational speakers. And what touched me the most was looking around at the audience. And it was the Rare Beauty community that we created, many of whom we've all gotten to know, whether it was in person at smaller scale events, on Zoom calls, in DMs, but to see everyone together and then to see people not only make friends there, but they've made friends at previous events and they've gotten to know each other and they arrived as friends. And it's just, it was the most heartwarming thing. I was so moved. I was moved more than I think I thought I was going to be moved. It was really a special day because as we're all industry executives, we spend a lot of time in PowerPoint and you craft these stories and you think, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to set out to do. And we write these grand missions and visions, but then to see it actually happen and then to see this community come together and be supported, it was a really special moment. I mean, and I would argue that one of the keys to success and the main key to success is that community that you've built because it's true. It's not to say, oh, here's a brand. Oh, well, no, we haven't built a community. But even to your point, it started with a community and listening to everything that you've just said has goes back to the community. And that was part of Selena's vision. She wanted to create something where people felt welcome. And when you get to know Selena, the thing that strikes me the most, I mean, there's so many incredible qualities about her. She is just... She's phenomenal, but her ability to connect with people and her ability to see someone, to hear someone, to value someone at a one-on-one -on -one level is really so special. It's a superpower. So then to think about how a brand can sort of live in her values or live in her ethos, it is about that community and is about connecting to people and seeing your community as people and as humans and not as fans or followers or not as consumers or a profile that's unrealistic and that's not who we are as a brand and that's not how she is as a person. So that's why community is so much more than just a word, an industry word to throw around. It really is truly something that's core to the business. And we, when I think about the pillars, it's community, it's purpose, and it's product. Like are the three like main things of Rare Beauty. People can only dream to have a community like this. And I think that you need to take a step back and really look at the core of, of who you are as a brand, as a business. I mean, your communities, if we look at it by the numbers, almost 10 million strong, 6 million on Instagram, 3 million on TikTok. Did you round up? You rounded up. I rounded up, up just a, Is it really 6 it's million? It's almost 6 million. It's okay. like 5 point something. <laughs> it's 5 point something. I did round up a little bit. Yeah. But I think to your point, what's super interesting here is that's just the online community and you touch so much more because you do the Zooms, because you have the events. So 
the role is so much larger. And I think that that's a key learning for anybody listening to this, that as a social media person, I'm fascinated by how communities are built. And when it's a true and real, authentic, relatable, because it's part of who you are and it's part of the construct of your brand. I think when it comes to community building, brands need to have a clear definition of their why. Why do they exist? What community are they there to serve and why? And the more you're clear on that, you can help define you know, your mission, your vision, your values, your voice, your tone. And from that, you can start to develop a community. And, and your community doesn't need to be 9 million strong. Your community can be 90 strong, 900, 90,000. It's always you have to think through that community lens. Why are you there to serve them? Because I mean, social is that two-way conversation. And thankfully, we have social to then be the platform from which you can connect with your community. But community doesn't always equal social. Community equals connection, in my opinion. Social is the platform from which you connect. But when you think about brands like Rafa or SoulCycle, like they use... I always refer to SoulCycle. They use their brand to connect community to their instructors, to their people, to the movement of what it means to be in SoulCycle. Totally. The social media marketers have to spend time with the founder to really understand their vision and how does that translate to community building. And I think TikTok is such an incredible example of community building because there's hundreds of subcultures that brands can tap into if you don't know where to start. I mean, think about clean talk. I mean, my gosh, look at Scrub Daddy, you know, that sponge. They could build like a real community within Clean talk or book talk, like authors are starting to understand book talk or fragrance talk, you know, like there's such incredible stuff, but it's understanding sort of where those communities live. So if you don't know where to start, understand where those communities live. And the real talk, like what they're actually saying, what their concerns are, what their interests are, what their passions are, not what the brand wants them to be, but what they are. Right. Because that's force. It's like if you're at a party and someone just comes up and intersects themselves into the conversation, like you want to have more of a natural conversation. So you have to figure out what that is. If you're not building a community from scratch, I would say, you know, SoulCycle, they built that community from scratch. But they built it into the fabric of everything that they do. Every single thing, every single touch point. It's really funny. I used to use that as examples, but I think it's a great example because every touch point of every single thing that they do, down to the instructors, down to when you walk into each class, they greet you as part of the family. So it has to not be just kind of an ancillary part to say, oh, we need this. It really needs to be at the core. Yeah. You know who did that? Peloton. And of course, everyone knows that Peloton is such an incredible community. They've got that Facebook group. But when I first got my Peloton, the person who dropped it off and like helped set it up said to me, welcome to the team. And I remember thinking, oh my God, that's so brilliant. I've never been on a sports team. Am I on a sports team now? And it made me think in a whole new way, like, okay, yes, I'm on a team. Isn't that cool? And so it's like those little things. But again, it's down to thinking about your voice, your narrative, what are those little touches, like what you were saying about SoulCycle and someone when they welcome you in or the Peloton person saying, welcome to the team. Or what, you, what they call each other, how people refer to each other, that people start responding to each other as part of the family, as one big family. That's so cool. I didn't know that they do that. I know. Isn't that funny? And I've never forgotten it. Oh, because it made a difference. It made you feel like you had a sense of belonging. What I'm constantly in awe of what you do in your free time is your work with mentoring, with your work with students, with internships. And I wanted to just learn about like how you got into that, what drives you and what your favorite part is. 
when we were building Rare Beauty and hiring teams, and I realized I didn't know anyone. Like I didn't know any junior, entry, more entry-level folk to help people, to help join the team. And I wanted to find some. That was in my brain a lot of like thinking about entry level. Okay, what's our structure going to be? Who are we going to hire? At the same time, I started thinking about, and it made me think about how did I get into this industry? And it made me think about that woman that I mentioned who I'd met when I was in college. At the same time, it was 2019, 2020, and I was on TikTok, like we all were during the Learn the Renegade dance. I'm just kidding. I wasn't. But, you know, I was noticing too how much attention I was spending to TikTok. And I realized, huh, like the light bulb went off. This could be a way for me to sort of inspire other people who want to get into beauty or college grads. And at the same time, I could start to figure out TikTok and learn the platform. I found that the best way to learn new technologies is to try them yourself. There was a, this burgeoning sort of community of, of educators. There's a whole TikTok learn platform. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll try it. I'll, I'll do something about like just educating on the different paths within beauty, how to prepare for a job interview, et cetera. And then lo and behold, it just started growing. And in early pandemic, early 2020, I was getting so many comments that I couldn't answer with a, the character limit. So I, I put up a Calendly link in my bio and just started meeting one-on-one -on -one with people. And it was the most rewarding thing to talk to individuals, college students, early career professionals, talk to their resume, talk through different career paths, talk about what they're doing. And since then, it's just sort of grown and, I, and I've just gotten to know more and more. And it's, and it's rewarding because it's when you think about how you can give back and where are you going to make the biggest impact in someone's lives or in people's lives, if I can help people, I'm really passionate about helping young individuals, diverse individuals, females get into corporate life so that we can change the ratio of individuals at the C-suite level. There's a mix of diverse faces and voices at the table. And I think the more that you can get people into their entry-level job and then get them on that corporate path to climb their way up and have the right tools and resources, that's something that I could help. And that's where I could make a difference. I love spending my time talking with college students, whether it's on TikTok, Instagram, meeting one-on-one, -on -one, or, or going to universities myself. I think that you have succeeded in your mission that you have really built up a following and to have these talks and to visit universities and inspire people because the beauty industry or even growing in the, the corporate ladder is not easy. No, it's not easy. And the thing that frustrates me the most is you have to have, everyone's like, you have to network. Well, how do you network? They're college kids, college individuals, college, you know, they're so young. How are you supposed to have a network unless you have a parent who has connections? And that's just not fair. And I know life's not fair, but that's what I can make a difference to be that connection to someone or explain to someone because I think that's the way we change the industry for the better. When you say we, I think that you, you are changing the industry to give people that insight, to give them that avenue. So for the ones that don't have the connections, for the ones that aren't in New York and happen to meet someone from Estee Lauder, which is, it's great. That talk that they heard at school or one of your videos in your career, and this is a very big question, but what is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way? The one thing that I've learned, not only looking back, but in my conversations with Gen Z and younger generations, I think what I think about your life in its entirety. Don't just think about your career. As important as career has been to me, what I've learned from this generation, they're always asking me about, how's your work-life balance? <laughs> as I laugh. How are your boundaries? How did you set boundaries? And these were questions that I didn't even, when in 1999, I wasn't asking those questions. And God, maybe I, I wish I should have. But I think it's interesting. 
whether you're 25 years into your career or you're five minutes into your career, think about your entire, who you are as a person, what your personal values are, and then how you want to achieve what you want to achieve in life as thoroughly as possible. Like think about what, what fulfills you as much as what, where your fulfillment will come from and just try to have, I'm not saying look for the balance because I don't think balance exists, but I think you've got to figure out what, where your values lie and where it makes you have the most happy and protect that at all costs. What a rich conversation we've been able to have in just a short amount of time. I'd love to even dive deeper. And I'm sure so many people listening to this would also. So again, if they want to find you, it's Katie Welsh at TikTok. Instagram, Twitter, anything, LinkedIn. Are we sure about LinkedIn? I probably won't respond. (laughs) (laughs) But you're there. You're there and you're amazing. And I've so enjoyed our chat today. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being such a wonderful friend in my life. I'm grateful to know you. Oh, back at you. This has been Beauty Is Your Business. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Keep in touch on Instagram and Facebook at Mouth Media Network and find prior episodes at beautyisyourbusiness.com and wherever the best podcasts are found. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>